give you a very warm welcome to our morning service. Just the Lord bless you and encourage you throughout the day. Give a warm welcome to visitors, especially to see little ones amongst us. And the Lord bless you and love granny and granddad and people. All right, so it's nice to see you all. But we'll we meet again tonight at 6.30. In the week, the ladies meet on Wednesday, up to Mercy Field. We'll be speaking next week. Next Sunday and then Thursday, our Bible study, and then after seven next Sunday, Howard Sayers will, will preach a God willing. Just a few verses from Psalm 40. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn to lies. Amen. Let's bow heads. Gracious God, again we thank you for the privilege of morning worship. Now we can come out on a nice bright Sunday morning and come and make our way to the house of the Lord when God is pleased to meet especially and particularly with his people on his day. So bless us, help us, encourage us and do us good for Jesus' sake. Amen. If I had a hymn book I'd read the first hymn to you. I borrow this one. This is number 60, 60 in our hymn book, God of the Covenant, Triune Jehovah, marvels of mercy adoring we see, seeker of souls in the councils eternal, binding thy lost ones forever to thee. Number 60.
before God in prayer. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for that great hymn. It speaks about our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you that we at Gordon Road are Trinitarian in our worship, in our belief. We believe that the Father is eternal, the Son is eternal, and the Holy Spirit is eternal. Three persons, yet one God. One God, yet three persons. A great mystery, we confess that. It's beyond our understanding. It blows our minds, as it were. But we believe that this is what Scripture teaches us. This is what historically your people have believed. And we're glad to be in that line with that heritage. We come before and we before thee this morning and bow before thee. O Lord, thou art so worthy of our worship. Thou art so worthy of our praise and adoration and thanksgiving. Uh, we should rush, as it were, to praise you. We should rush to worship you. Our feet should quicken as they make the way to the house of the Lord. To worship our God in the beauty of holiness. To worship him, acknowledging that all things are of him and for him and to him and through him. To whom will be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we thank you, Father, for all your greatness in creation and providence, redemption. We thank you for the work uh, that is so mysterious to us, uh, behind the scenes as it was. We do not understand what goes on sometimes or what happens to us, to our loved ones. We believe that you are a sovereign God who orders all things for the good of your people and for the glory of your great name. We thank you for the wonder of redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. This perfect plan. This plan uh, that was conceived before the foundation of the world, before he created the world. You set upon a plan and a purpose and a design. That the lower people should fall. You would have a people for yourself by grace and by redemption. That their sins should be dealt with in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for him. We thank you for his supernatural birth. For his wonderful life. But particularly especially we thank you for his atoning death. We believe quite simply as scripture teaches us that Christ died for our sins uh, according to the scriptures. He was buried on the third day. He rose again uh, according to the scriptures. We bless you for a saviour who lived and died and rose and ascended into glory at the present time intercedes for all those who come to him and who one day will return. Thank you for our Saviour, our wonderful Saviour. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit who makes these things clear to us. Left to ourselves, we'd be in the dark. Left to ourselves, we wouldn't understand. Left to ourselves, we wouldn't want to understand. We wouldn't want to come to God. We wouldn't want to believe and have our hearts and lives changed. And oh, Father, we thank you for that gracious, sovereign, irresistible work of the Spirit whereby we're inclined to hear and inclined to listen and pay attention to the very word of God and then helped indeed to believe and trust in the Saviour. Oh, Father, what a great God you are. 
We've come through another week, and we thank you for that. There have been good days, and perhaps for some there have been not so good days. And we look back and we just say, well, Lord, here we are again. We thank you you have kept us. We thank you that it pleases you to keep your people day by day. And he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You will not let us go. We are in your hand and held tightly by the eternal God. And as our Saviour said, my sheep shall hear my voice, they shall follow me, and they shall never perish. Hallelujah. So we thank you for all that. We thank you for the day. We pray that you bless us as we, we congregate to worship, our praise, our prayers, our hearing of the word of God, and we trust an application of it. We don't want to be those who are just hearers only. We'd want to be, as James tells us, to be doers, doers of the word. We want to put into practice that which we hear this morning, that it will help us on the morrow and in the coming days. It will be a helper to us and a blessing to us. And Lord, we need to be instructed from your word. We need to have guidance from your truth. Left to ourselves, we wander so easily. The hymnist said prone to wander Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love take my heart oh take and seal it seal it from thy courts above and we need that sealing need that work of the spirit oh Lord to continue in perseverance we know that you will keep us and yet we know that we are responsible for our actions and what we do and what we do not oh Father be pleased to be with us in the coming days that we might live to the glory of our God. We might live to the honor of the Savior. We might live in the power of the Spirit. We pray for those dear ones who are not with us this morning and those who would love to be here. But because of circumstances, domestic, otherwise, because of ill health, and they're not with us. Some may be able to join with us uh, virtually, as it were, uh, streaming. Well, Lord, bless them, wherever they are, wherever they are. We pray undertake for them. Grant them great grace. Grant them great patience. Grant them perseverance in difficult times. Lord, you're a God who knows and a God who cares. And you encourage us to cast all our cares upon you. For you care for us. The psalmist encourages the people to cast their burdens upon the Lord. For he will sustain them. And that's what we, we covet most for grace to go through to persevere to continue so we pray that you bless us uh, and bless the folk who are, who are not with us we pray for those who could be here they could have come along they could have walked they could have got out of bed they could have jumped in the car they could have caught a bus they could be here but they're not because they don't want to be here some once did come but now come no longer to this place or a similar place of worship Lord God, have mercy upon them. Restore the backslider, we pray. Bring them back to yourself. Uh, in a, a, Graciously, bring them back to yourself. Humble them. Cause them to acknowledge their, their sin and their wrongdoing and, and their lack of love and their loss of love for the Savior. And bring them back to yourself. Please, Father, have mercy upon them. Some are in our families. 
some of our friends, some uh, once came with us uh, to the house of the Lord, and yet no more. Lord God, in your gracious mercy, have mercy upon them, we pray. So continue with us now as we go through our worship. For Jesus' sake, amen. Next hymn is 150, 150. Is Patricia all right? Patricia. Ah, oh. oh, right, because I, I, I saw her come in, and then she metamorphosized to... Yeah. Right. That, 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 that's true, but it's okay. Um, right, thank you for that. Um, oh. Right, 150, 150. Thou art the everlasting word, the Father's only Son, God manifestly seen and heard, and heaven's beloved one, worthy, O Lamb of God art thou, and every knee to thee should bow. 150.
reading is taken from the second letter of the Apostle Paul's uh, to the Corinthians. Uh, second letter in chapter 5. Chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. And I'm reading the whole chapter. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given us the, unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and uh, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that we may have somewhat to answer them who glory in appearance and not in heart. Or, whether we are beside ourselves, it is the God, or whether we be sober-minded, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth we know no man after the flesh, yea, Though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and given to us the ministry 
of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. May the Lord bless his own word to us. Amen. 617 is our next hymn. 617. Object of my first desire, Jesus crucified for me, all to happiness aspire, only to be found in thee. Thee to praise and thee to know constitute my bliss below. Thee to see and thee to love constitute my bliss above. 670.
just bow our heads for a moment in prayer. Father, we come to your word. We've already acknowledged this is your word, inspired, infallible, our only rule for faith and practice. We come to seek to understand a little more of it, apply it to our own hearts and lives. And we acknowledge we need the help of your spirit, both in delivery and acceptance and application. Be gracious to us now, we pray for Jesus' sake. Those of you who are regular folk uh, and have been kind enough to follow me, we've been doing John chapter 4. Now, I'll ask you to turn to that because I'm going to come back to 2 Corinthians 5 in a moment. But what we've been doing is looking at uh, the woman of Samaria. Very familiar story. Uh, Jesus meeting her at the well and the conversation they had and so forth. Now, we've gone into a little depth, I think. I would say, because there's so much there. And this morning, I want us to look at a little phrase with which you're all familiar. And it's uh, the phrase we're told after the conversation that uh, Jesus had, all right, um, that we're told in verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, and so on. And all preachers, if they preach to this, mention the water pot. I mention it normally briefly, why she left it and so on, and then whatever follows. Well, I want to concentrate this morning on the water pot. And you say, oh, that's very interesting. What's it going to do to Corinthians 5? Well, bear with me. I was encouraged by religion, uh, uh, not personally, but I read uh, a sermon on this passage, and in his sermon, he said something I've said several times. He said, if it's in scripture, it must be significant. I thought, amen, brother. I agree with that. Right? John could have just said, and the woman went. And the woman went. She went. Uh, the fact that she left a water pot went is not material. It's irrelevant. She went. And what she did after she went, that's important. That's the big thing. The fact that she left a water pot, that's nothing. But the fact that we have in Holy Scripture a mention of a water pot that this woman left must be significant. Now, I'm not saying that we can expound and explain all the significance of it, but it, it is significant. She left a water pot and off she went. And I want us to think of it in this way. This water pot represented in some ways her life. Right? You think about that. This water pot represented her life. This was part and parcel of her life on a daily basis. In the morning, she'd get up, she'd do what she'd do, and then come noon, we've already said she probably didn't go in the morning where most of the women went, when in the cool of the day, or later on in the cool of the evening. She went noontime when it was hottest because... She was despised by the other women because she was an outcast in the society, in the local village, town, whatever. And because of that, to avoid social interaction, avoid all the whispering and backbiting and things that might be said to her, to avoid all that, she goes at noontime. The worst time of the day, she goes at the day she's there on her own. And the providence of God, that's the exact time when Jesus comes to meet with them. Anyway, 
And so she gets up in the morning, she's got this water pot, which is empty, obviously, they've used it um, for purposes, washing, cooking, so on. And she goes down uh, with an empty pot, and she fills it, and takes it away full, and then they use it, and then back again the same day, in, out, back and forth, every single day, this water pot. And I thought about this water pot, and I thought about her little life. It's empty, and then it's full. Then it's empty, then it's full, then it's empty, then it's full. And I thought, this, surely, this is this poor woman. Her life is not totally full. It's not totally empty, but it's not totally full. There's a, there's a sense of dissatisfaction in her. Now, we, we have to be careful what we say, but the fact that she's had five husbands, and the one with whom she now lived wasn't her husband, shows a sense of dissatisfaction in her life. She can't settle. Now, we don't know who is to blame in this relationship, in these relationships. Was it the five men that none of them were very good? And the bloke she wanted was with, now, well, was any good? Or it may be the woman herself. These men come along, they marry her, and a couple of months, six months, a couple of years, off they go. They can't stand living with her anymore. Then she marries the next one. And so it was on. We're not too sure who's who's to blame in this but there's a breakdown of relationships this woman has experienced this over some years and she goes back and forth back and forth and there's so many folk like this they live through the week fairly ordinary lives sometimes they're very empty lives but come the weekend oh it's wonderful there's the match if you're broke right there's the match, big match, you know. Brighton against Newcastle. Wow, that's going to be a big game, you know. Well, it, anyway. Big rugby. Oh, social, building in family. Wonderful. Weekends are great. The trouble is with weekends, Monday comes. Every single week, Monday comes. It happened last week, and the week before, week before. It's always a Monday. Boom. And talk about the weekend that has passed and then they long for the weekend to come so Monday to Friday is not is, is down days uh, and, and folk who live for it now we have to be a little bit careful here as is an aside that we who claim to be Christian people don't look for over to the weekend for the Sunday and every other day is very poor there's a sense in which Every day for the Christians should be Sunday. Not that we meet together like this, that we congregate and sing and praise and everything else, but in a sense, every day should be a day of worship to God and praise to God and living for God. So this poor woman, she's got this water pot, back and forth, back and forth. It's, in a sense, the center of her little life. It symbolizes her. But this one occasion probably for the first time in her life she leaves it behind she leaves it behind what caused her to leave her water pot and go surely surely it must be because of the conversation she's had with this person called Jesus Christ 
It must be connected. How you want to connect it? Well, there are various thoughts. But it must be connected with her conversation, what he has said to her, what she has said to him. It must be that connection has caused her, for some reason, either to forget it or to uh, deliberately leave it behind so she could go. The focus of her whole life has been dramatically changed because of a meeting with Jesus Christ. She'll never be the same again. I'm not to say all her days will be high days. There will be still low days. But the tendency will be for high days and better days and great days. And the lower days will diminish. All because she met with Jesus Christ. And this water pot. Uh, she is so excited. She's really excited by this meeting and by this conversation she's had with the Lord Jesus. And that becomes her, his meeting with her, her meeting with him becomes the focus. That's what matters most. The water pot is essential in the sense of she must have physical water for herself and family, whatever, for the bloke she lives with. She must have water to drink, to cook, to wash. She must have water. It's essential. But now something has entered into her life. Someone has entered into her life who is much more essential, the essential, than ever the water pot, water pot could be. And so off she goes. She leaves it behind. Something important has happened to her. Someone important has happened to her. Now, why don't I read 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Well, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, Paul makes this statement. This is what he says. Therefore, if any man, any woman, be in Christ, and that's Paul's way of describing a Christian. A Christian to Paul, there are many things you could say about a Christian, a true Christian, a real Christian, all right? Uh, they're believers, they're this, they're that, and the other. And one of the, one of the descriptions he often uses is that a Christian is in Christ. He means by that that they not only believe in him, but the life of Christ is also in them. They're in Christ. Christ is in them by his spirit. They're in Christ. And there are lots of expressions, particularly Ephesians, about being in Christ. Now, he says, if anybody is in Christ, if anybody is a real Christian, then they are a new creation. Or A.V. says creature, um, but it's the same word, a new creation. Something has happened to them that is akin to being recreated. They were created originally, all right, by God in the image of God. And sadly, that creation has been marred. It hasn't been destroyed. Uh, some folk uh, uh, collect coins, right? And the older the coin, presumably the more valuable it is, the better. And you have a little story sometimes of somebody you're going to feel. It could be up in Norfolk, it could be down south, it could be up north, whatever. And they go with these mine detectors and they dig up these coins. And uh, they look at these coins 
and they've been in the earth perhaps a thousand years and almost always the coin although it's tatty and bogus there's, there's an image on it could be of a Roman emperor could be of a, a king a queen from way back the image is there it's marred but it's just there and thank God we who are created in the image of God there's still something of God in us we're not animals well some people say well that's all you are you've just come down from the trees all right? we are not we are a separate creation and even the worst of the worst there's something of God there there's no person who is entirely void of, of something of God there God has been planted himself as you are in conscience. Eternity, says the, the, the preacher in Ecclesiastes, eternity is being planted in our hearts. There is something of God there. But it's marred, almost beyond description, but it's strength there. What happens when a person becomes a, creation, a, a Christian is God recreates that image. And his purpose is that we should be conformed to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we should be more like Jesus. So then he, de- he, 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 he sends this out a bit and says, all, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. If there's a new creation, there are new desires. There are new concerns. Uh, it's a whole new life. Bit by bit, things become new. And all things pass away now I think that's a good description of what happens to this woman this woman has found something new this woman has found a new relationship one of the problems she's had obviously is with relationships she's had at least five she's on a sixth and uh, They've not worked out as she should. Well, for whatever reason, we've already said, whatever she has had broken relationships. Perhaps she's on a sixth and hopes that will work out. Who knows? What's the problem with us? What's the problem with humanity? What's the problem with folk in Hailsham? The biggest problem they have, it could be health, it could be financial, it could be all kinds of things. The biggest problem people have, and they don't realize it, is their relationship with God. That's the problem. People say, oh, if only this was better, or that was better, or my health was better, my neighbors were better, I had a better job, I had a better this, I had a better that, I'd be fine. No, you wouldn't be apart from God. You were created by God, for God. And you'll never be complete. You'll never be satisfied until you have a right relationship with God. And Paul into Corinthians explains a little bit of how God has accomplished that. There's some wonderful verses in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. He talks about the basic problem, as I've said, is a wrong relationship, no relationship with God. He talks about being separated from God. Right? We were separated from God. There's a space between God and us. We're not in a right relationship. We are separated. It's, it's an awful, terrible word. Uh, some of us remember headlines way back, you know. Often it was perhaps a royal couple or some personality and it hit the front page. So and so and so and so are to separate. 
Charles and their separation. Hit the headlines, separation. What an awful, dreadful word it is, separation. And separation can be between um, husband and wife, it can be between parents, fathers, mothers, and children. Uh, all kinds of separation. There's a division for some reason. And the cause of the separation between God and us is our sin. So the Bible says the things we've done that we shouldn't have done, the things we should have done we didn't do, this sin, and we're all guilty. All of us have come short of God's standard, God's glory. Some greatly, some perhaps not so much. But sin is called separation from God. And God has separated himself because he's holy and righteous and pure. Oh, says somebody, God loves us, doesn't he? God loves people. Yes, but God doesn't stop him from being separated from us because of our sin, because he is holy. So what's God, what's, we, what's to be done? Well, if someone says, well, all right, I realize I'm not as I should be. I realize I'm not right with God, but I will do my best to repair the relationship. I'll do my best uh, uh, to, to be back in a right relationship with God, to do what I can. I will try to do it. I will try to heal it. I will try to effect being back with God, being right with God. Alas, we can't. We can never mend the rift. We can never make up for, by doing good things, nice things, for what we have not done. I was thinking about this and a little illustration um, came to mind. Um, we have some of the, the little ones with us and uh, they, I guess, wouldn't know what a weighing scales is. Now, I don't know if you ever do any baking with mummy. Are they ever allowed to do any baking with mummy? Watch. And uh, our grandchildren love to, to bake it. And you have a weighing scales. And it, it's probably electric, all right? And that you press a button, beep, 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 and you put the stuff in, and beep, 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 and up it comes. Wonderful. We've got electric. Oh, see, yeah. And I, I always have a problem with buttons. Uh, it says this weighs five tons. Oh, it doesn't. I, it doesn't seem I must have pressed the wrong button. But back in the day, back in the day, they had a, a weighing scales, and if you can imagine things, something that was like size, and there was, was, was a like a dish this side hanging from there, and a dish this side hanging from there. And it, and it got that little thing there, so it could tip either way. And what the old grocer used to do, or in the sweet shop, all right, when I was a little boy, I used to ask for two ounces. Now that's probably, I don't know, five milligrams or whatever. Anyway, I used to ask for two ounces of sweets. And the lady would get the sweets, and she'd put them uh, in here, right, this pan, then she'd put over here a little weight, um, shall we say, two ounce weight. And if that went down, it means there were too many sweets there. So she takes them out. If this one went down, it meant there was enough sweets in there. So she had a few more. And eventually, they would balance. So two ounces there on this side, and sweets on this side. And when they were balanced, that's what she'd give me. Because I was sweet and a blue eye, she'd put a few extra. Somebody meant bargain away to go. Now, so here's the problem. Here's God's righteousness. Right? And, and uh, 
here's our good works and we put on good works to balance up because we've been we've done things wrong we've sinned and God is righteous and, and our sin the trouble is our sin because of God's judgment and punishment weighs right down here ours right up there so we'll add a few more we'll add a few more good works we'll add a few more good deeds so that'll get to bring it down and we'll be balanced the trouble is when we add our good works and our good deeds we're actually insulting God because God says you can't by your good deeds and your good works get right with me it's not a question of works it's a question of faith but we don't believe that we must, we must do our bit and so we pile on more and God says no stop doing that because the more you sin the more I hate that I hate what you're trying to do to please me of yourself because it's for yourself it's not for me it's not for my glory and this gets heavier and heavier and heavier and down and down it goes and up goes up and up and up what's the answer? God has got a great answer he says listen get rid of all that stuff I will put on that side on your side to your account I will put a righteousness that will weigh the balance and that righteousness is the righteousness of my son isn't that great so the Lord Jesus Christ he pays as it were the price he pays the penalty he dies our death Paul puts it like this um, God hath made him to be sin for us he who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him God puts the death of the Lord Jesus on that side wow down it goes and now we, we can get right with God and that uh, great, God's grace is greater than our sin I love that so the balance is tipped but we have to believe it we have to accept it we have to trust in the Lord Jesus otherwise it's of no avail no avail at all so a new creation in Christ is someone who's said I can't do this I can't be good enough I can't make up for all the bad things I've done in the past I just can't do it God says no you can't but my son has done it for you trust him believe in him ask him to be your savior and he will and once we believe and trust in the Lord Jesus we are a new creation the Bible talks about being born again born of the spirit the spirit lives in us and then he begins to work it out he begins to work out in our lives we are, begin, we are a changed people now what does the first indication that this woman was a changed woman well she rushes away leaves a water pot rushes away and she goes back to the town all right and the first thing she says goes back in the city the first thing she says to the people she meets is wow come see a man that told me everything I'd ever done here's a woman who says listen you know what I'm like you know what I'm like you may know what I'm like perhaps there were some the old husbands were there you know what I'm like I've met someone I'd never met before and he knows me better than you know me 
He knows me inside out and upside down. He knows everything about me. And I want to tell you about him. So, here's a woman who, by all accounts, is an immoral woman. She's a failure in lots of parts. She's got problems in relationships. Suddenly she's met with Jesus Christ and her whole life was turned inside out, upside down. And she must go and tell others about him. This man who's told me everything I've done, this must be the Christ, the Messiah, the special one for whom we are looking and longing. He's arrived. He's arrived. Here he is in the flesh. I've talked to him. He's talked to me. He must be the Messiah. I wouldn't like to think about the things that she discussed previously with men. Um, we don't want to go into that. It's probably a bit sordid, to be honest. But now there are fewer words coming out of our mouth. Fewer words about Jesus. Isn't that lovely? I mentioned a little bit of my testimony on Thursday. Why? Because 4th of November, which is Thursday, 1962, I came to faith in the Lord Jesus. And uh, I just mentioned it in passing. And again, mentioned in passing to illustrate this. I say to my shame, one of the worst things about me is that I swore, I had a filthy tongue, I blasphemed in a horrendous way. You don't need to know anymore. And God met with me. And God saved me. And God made me a new creation. And I came out of school one day, I was 16 and a half, nearly 17. I came out of school and I thought, I haven't sworn today. Wow! I was amazed. Now it wasn't as if I got up in the morning and said, now November the 5th, you've got to be a good boy, you've got to stop doing this, and you've got to stop doing that, and doing this. No. Somehow God just started to work in me, and he cleansed this tongue. Now, I admit there's still a long way to go on things I say and don't say. I admit that. But this filthy tongue, God had cleansed. And other people noticed. Other people noticed that there, there was a change in my life, in my attitude, in my speech, in my thinking. The whole focus had dramatically changed. I could tell you other things, but, but the, the point I want to illustrate is this. A person who is truly becomes a Christian, there must be a change. Now, the change might not be the same in everybody uh, there's a young lady in our church back in, in, in Wales and she was a daughter of the superintendent of the Sunday school and she was what we call a good girl uh, actually her name was Audrey she's at home I guess well, her name was Audrey and she didn't have a foul mouth she had a very sweet mouth actually she sang in the church and yet she was not right with God because of her dad and her mother and her family she was challenged one day was she really right with God and she said no I don't know and the preacher said you're not and she trusted in the saviour now what I'm saying is this the change in her there was a change but not so dramatic because she was a good girl outwardly the change in me was dramatic because I was such a bad lad and people noticed there was, there was something that happened and they, uh, there were various reasons things that people said what had happened to me brother and all said I've been brainwashed 
people said to my father, what do you think about your calling? He went to chapel, because he went down the pub. And he said, well, he, I go my way, and he goes his way. There you go. It's a new life. It's expressed in a new way. And she had to tell people about Jesus. And it seems to me that one of the first evidences of a new life is that we want to tell other people about it. And when they say to us, what's happened to you? Have you seen the light? Ha, ha, ha. Holy Joe, ha, ha, ha. We say, well, and we put it as simple as we can. All I can say to you, as the blind man said, once I was blind, now I can see. Uh, Once I had no thought for God, but now I, I want to think of him, and I want to worship him, and I want to serve him, and I want to love the Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite little stories, uh, Bev knows about this, so it's okay. I had a lady friend called Joyce. And uh, we were friendly before I was converted and through the first few weeks afterwards. And uh, we went out one day and I started talking to the gospel, the gospel to her. And she said, Colin, you've gone from one extreme to the other. Once you were talking about all other things, now you're talking about Jesus and the gospel. You've gone from one extreme to the other. I said, well, if I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ went to the extreme in his love and his mercy and died for someone like me, surely there's no extreme to which I can go for him. She finished me a few weeks later, but that was not my story. When Paul writes to the Romans, he talks about believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he says that this word of faith is this if you should confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved who with a heart man believes unto righteousness and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture saith whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed there's a challenge for you do people know you're a Christian well, they know you're a Christian. They may know you're religious. They may know you go to this funny little place called Gordon Road. But do they know you're a Christian? If I went and knocked your neighbor's door tomorrow morning, excuse me, uh, I'm just doing a little survey. Uh, you know the people next door, yeah. Uh, do you know that they go to church? Oh, I've seen them go off somewhere Sunday, but I thought they'd go to Tesco's. Um, well, they go to church. Do you know anything else about them? No. You're all right. They might say some other things about you. You don't cut the edge when you should, or whatever. Uh, but nothing else. Do you know that they're Christian people? No. Never heard that. People should know. They may not understand. They hate us for it. But they should know that we are Christians. I never forget doing a carol service in a... In a in an organization in London, a secular engineering works it was. And one of our members in the church uh, worked there. And he said, uh, it'd be nice if during the lunchtime we could have a little carol service. And I would say a few words. So he got permission from the boss. And I went. And I mentioned him to one of his colleagues. I said, oh, you know, this so-and-so comes to our church. He said, 
Oh yeah, he's a Christian. Never knew that. We worked with him for 20 years. Never knew he was a Christian. There's something wrong with it. I'm not saying, and you shouldn't, you evangelize during working hours, all right? You're paid to do that. Break time, after work, before work, whatever. Uh, but during work, you're paid to do a job. Uh, but often, during lunchtime, you're having your sandwiches, and you're talking about the weekend. Did you see the match? And, and so on. And they say, what did you do? Well, um, I went to church. Pardon? I went to church. You know, I thought you said, I thought you said you went to church. Well, I did. What? I thought you were intelligent. I thought you were clever. You look intelligent. Well, some of you do. All right? You look intelligent. Why would you go to church? Well, because. Well, because I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe I'm a sinner. I need salvation. And only in Christ can I be saved. Oh, I don't believe that's there must be a change in our lives. Our behavior must show that we belong to God. We belong to, the, to Christ. We're not shouting it from the rooftops. But people must know this woman, she left her water pot that symbolized her life and of which she was so dependent. She left it because she wanted to tell the men of the city that she had met with the Messiah. And it changed their lives because they came to speak to him and talk to him. And then they said afterwards, now we believe in him, not because of what you said, but because we've seen him for ourselves. That's what we want, do we not? We want people to come to Jesus. We may influence a little bit. Uh, for good, we trust. And they might come and hear us. Or they might go live stream. Or, or whatever. But that's the end of it. We want them to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have neighbors uh, I'm getting friendly with. And uh, alas, they're Brighton supporters as well. But uh, they, uh, we have a little bit of banter. And I've brought in a bit about church. And she said, uh, I said I was going to do a memorial service yesterday. She said, oh, I think I'd like to listen to you talk. So, okay. Go into Gordon Road. Do streaming. See, listen to the recording. So I've given her the details. What you make of it. If she does. Hi, Carol. All right, if she comes in, who knows. But it's, it's, a, it's a little start. That folk will hear something. That will be a blessing to them. I'm nearly finished. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The woman leaves a water pot. Now, here's a question. What happened to it? I've read some books and I've read some sermons, but I've never read anyone who's told me what happened to the water pot. Probably because no one knows. But... I, to me, there's a simple illustration. I'm a very simple lad. A simple explanation. She went later on to fetch it. She filled it up and went home. What happened when she got home? Well, she told the bloke she was living with. She told him, surely, what she told the man. She's not going to keep it from him. But do you know what happened today? No, what? Uh, I was down at a well. Yeah. I was, what? Some, you talking to another man? Ah, but listen now. What's you tell him? And there could have been two reactions. Well, three, one is 
I don't want you talking to men, other men, right? Uh, and I don't want to listen to this, this nonsense. It could, be not. it could have been, like the other men, wow, this sounds great. I wonder if I could go and hear him. I wonder if I could meet him. Wonderful. Or it could be, so what? I don't care. You do what you want to do. I just want to carry on as I am. But he would not be allowed to. She would surely have said to him, things have got to change. He may have said, if you've got to, now you've got to marry me, I'll get out. Sounds good, doesn't it? Marry me, I'll push off. You've got to believe what I believe. Or our relationship has ended. Whatever, whatever. There were consequences to that pot being taken back. There are always consequences to trusting and believing in Jesus Christ. We'll never be the same again. And I may have to add to be faithful to the Bible, there are consequences if we do not believe in Jesus. The people love John 3.16, as do we all. Wonderful. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wonderful. And they love it. God so loved. Lovely, wonderful, beautiful verse. They don't often stop at the little phrase, not perish. That's not so nice. But that's the truth of it. If you believe, everlasting life. If you don't believe, you'll perish. And then uh, we, we, we're told, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, and so on. There are consequences. And this morning, when you leave this place, there are consequences. You'll ever say, yes, that's what the Bible says, that's for me. Or you'll say, no thank you. I'll carry on trying my best. I'll, try, I'll carry on trying to weigh the balances down. It does not work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the account of our Saviour and his dealings with this woman of Samaria. We love the story. What a gracious, what a compassionate, what a wonderful Saviour is Jesus, our Saviour. We thank you for the effect it had on this woman. We thank you she became a new creation in Christ. She didn't understand all that was happening. She didn't understand the theology and the biblical foundation of all this. But she knew in her heart she'd met somebody who had changed her life. And she'd never be the same again. And she wanted to share that with others. Oh Lord, if we're not there yet, bring us. Bring us into the kingdom. We may be very close. Bring us into the kingdom. Grant us that faith that we need to believe and trust. Bring us in. And then take us out to a world that is so ignorant of the things of God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Oh, have mercy, we pray. Have mercy and make us ambassadors for Christ. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that this last hymn was one of the woman's favourites. I'll be keen. Or would have, had she been around.
those days. Anyway, it's 528. 528. O Christ, in thee my soul hath found, and found in thee alone the peace, the joy I sought so long, the bliss till now unknown. But now none but Christ can satisfy, another name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy. Lord Jesus, found in thee, note verse 3, I tried the broken cisterns, Lord. But ah, the waters failed. Here's this woman's testimony. Even as I stooped to drink, they fled and mocked me as I waved. 528.
thank thee, our Saviour. There is life and love and everlasting joy found, yea, only found in thee. Blessed be your name. And now with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and remain upon God's people here and everywhere. Till we meet again and then forevermore. Amen.